For the first time ever, I am thrilled to say we have an official sponsor for the Dirk Talk podcast, and that's Ariat. I've worn Ariat boots on every job site I've visited over the years, traveling in them across five continents. More importantly, I have yet to find a single project where working folks, unlike me, are not wearing Ariat boots and workwear in every condition imaginable. And there's really good reason for that. And that's because it's phenomenal stuff. And the more I've learned about Ariat and the company, the more I've loved their brand. So with this, Ariat is offering any Dirt Talk listener 10% off their next Ariat order at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk. That's 10% off boots, jeans, and workwear at ariat.com slash Dirt Talk or at the link in this episode's description. With that, let's get to the show. Okay, so you are in Indiana? I am. I'm in Fowler, Indiana. We are 40 minutes west of Purdue in West Lafayette. And we are just a few miles from the Illinois state line. Our claim to fame is we're 100 miles from Chicago and 100 miles from Indianapolis. Oh, really? Wow. I think, actually, I think I've been to Fowler once before. No. Yeah, because we work with we work with Midwest Mole, and they're out of Greenfield, but they do projects okay. all over. So I think we were driving around to different projects, and I think we we went through Fowler for some reason. I think we we were in Fishers or Fisherville. Sure, and I mean like, Fishers is uh, just a little north of Indianapolis. So yeah, so we 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 headed up that way, and then we kind of cut over all the way across the state. And made ended up in Chicago, and I feel like we went through Fowler. If you were but, going to Chicago, there is a great chance you went through Fowler. Uh, you know us because the windmills. We're surrounded by windmills. Oh, really? Which is, you know, not a lot of people have experience with the windmills, but Chicago is the windy city. We're 100 miles from Chicago. Sure. We are nothing but flat farmland, so we're one of the windiest places in the country they you know you you hear it's the windy city you go to chicago you're like all right how windy can it really be and then you're walking around chicago you're like yeah this is pretty miserable when it's cold it's it's a terrible place in the winter yeah so imagine that wind and cold and then take away all those huge buildings right (laughs) so when you're in the city you've at least got like wind block and out here there's just nothing so yeah just lots of wind. Um, so you guys have a, it's, it's you and your husband have a excavation company, correct? Yes, that's right. And when, uh, when did you guys start? So my husband's been in dirt work um, since forever for him. He, uh, he's got family that have always done excavation and dirt work. Um, his grandfather started the company just as a side business. Um, he was a farmer and it's kind of just always been in his blood. Um, I never expected I would be in this line of work. Um, I went to Purdue for health science. I got into the 
pre-physical therapy program, which was pretty competitive at the time. Went to school, got out on my own, uh, quickly realized that it wasn't maybe what I wanted to do. Um, I've always had a love for health and fitness, but didn't really love the uh, sitting in schools, doing the biology, anatomy, all those things they want you to do. So I met my husband while I was at Purdue uh, doing the health science, health and fitness. Um, He was really different from anyone I had ever met. Actually, when I met him, he was dirty. Uh, Him and his buddy had come out to Purdue. They'd come straight from the job site and they were covered in dirt. They were in their work boots. Um, I was 20 years old. He was 21 at the time. And I just remember thinking like, whoa, you're really different from any of the guys around here. And um, ended up, we got serious, got together. I moved out to Fowler. Never completed my Purdue degree um, in health science. Um, I Hmm. only finished my three years. And came out to Fowler. I was working for an insurance company. And that was a really interesting experience because I started out as a cold caller, which if you know anything about cold calling, it's basically the most miserable miserable job there is. Just calling people out of a list. And I was just asking them if, if they wanted an insurance quote. Most of them would tell me to screw off and lose my number and stuff like that. Um, but I ended up having some, some success with it. I went on to get my insurance licenses. I was selling um, insurance. Um, when my husband and I got pregnant, um, I realized I didn't want that lifestyle anymore. I really wanted to own my own time and be able to spend my time with my son. And I actually, at 23 years old, opened my first business, which was a health and fitness and gymnastics studio here in Fowler. Gotcha. So I, I did that at 23, uh, started my own business. My husband was super supportive. He thought I was crazy because it was just something he didn't know anything about. But I got certified. I was teaching workout classes and tumbling classes and gymnastics for kids. Built up a pretty uh, successful business. And then a little bit before COVID, decided it was time to sell the business. And... I wasn't able to sell the business because I had completely built the business around myself. Mm-hmm. I was teaching all the classes. I was managing everything on the uh, back end. And when I wasn't able to sell the business, I closed the doors. And that was when I started working with um, my husband and his father at their excavation company doing book work and um, invoicing and things like that. Gotcha. So that's where the dirt comes into the picture. I, I uh, it, It's funny. People think all businesses are worth something, but in the re- in reality, they're not all worth something, especially if there's 
I like this is uh, construction companies have a similar problem. A lot of construction companies, especially smaller companies, are built around a single individual or a group of individuals. And once they're removed from the equation, the company isn't built to run without them. And absolutely, essentially, the company's worthless or it's just valued at whatever assets the company owns. And so that's what happens to a lot of companies without succession plans is they just close their doors, sell their equipment, and that's it. The first company I worked for, that's what happened to that company because there there just wasn't a succession plan and the company wasn't worth a whole lot otherwise. That was exactly what happened to me. And it was a huge eye-opener. It was a big lesson. Um, And what I wanted to do going forward and my husband and I with our company that, uh, you know, we have the end goal of, we want this to be a self-sufficient, well-oiled machine that if we were to be removed from it, it could still survive. Yeah. And it's not, um, it's not so much that I, I think at least I want to build a sustainable company, not not because I just want to kick back and hang out. I still want to work as hard as I am now, or I mean, I have no plans on hanging out anytime soon, but I, it just gives you more time to then focus on where you need to go. Big picture, the fun, the fun part about business, not the books and the insurance and the day-to-day operations. That's uh, that's where other people can help you out and you can go focus on the the fun stuff, the big picture problems, which is, I spend more time on that today than ever before, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. I mean, that's at some point everyone gets older. Um, we just, you have to plan for the future and you want to help as many people along the way as you can. And uh, that's just another one of our goals as well, just to bring people with us and, help and uh, really give back to the employees who are helping us build this company. Sure. And that was when um, I I got in with my father-in-law and my husband and um, my father-in-law got sick. He got a cancer diagnosis and he had to go away for treatments. And really the whole dynamic started to shift and you know, Corey and I, my husband, we realized, okay, uh, things aren't going to be like they always were before. And what can we do to really set into motion our future and take control of, you know, our business and what we want to do. So we just went out on our own. Um, just a year ago, we started our own company, went out on our own. We started with no capital nothing. Um, we went to the local bank here, uh, and we've been purchasing equipment from my father-in-law and from other sources. And it's just been a wild ride for the last year. Um, hold on. So we, so your, your, your husband and his dad were in business together had a small Well, he worked for his he worked for his dad. Okay, so it's his dad's company. He worked yeah. for his dad's excavation company. And yes. then you went to work for the for his dad's excavation company as well. His, right. his dad gets sick, can't operate the business anymore. Uh so what happens to what happens to that company? Is it still around? It is. Okay, so yeah. they're still doing their own thing, but you guys said 
why don't we go do this ourselves? Why did you decide to go do it yourself? Why not stay at, at that original excavation company? Well, they still are. I mean, we're still working together. We're still operating out of the same location um, and everything like that. And, and we're working together on projects, doing subcontracting with each other, but just different, uh, different stages of life, different goals, different ideas on how to run things. And, and, uh, you know, you just kind of have that, that moment where you're like, I just, I want to be my own boss. I want to do this and, and see if, um, if I'm full of shit or if I can actually, you know, make this work doing it on my own. What are, uh, what are some of the differences? Um, the scales of projects, the level of risk, um, basically they started doing smaller projects, uh, and they've always done a variety of projects, uh, but driveways, ditch digging, ponds, foundations, um, a lot of farm ag field drainage projects. And, uh, Corey and I just really thought we can grow this business, bring on more employees, bigger projects, more risk. And, um, that just wasn't the original plan. So that was when we were like, okay, let's go, let's try this. Let's, let's grow and let's grow our team and see where we can go. Understood. So you guys, you're you're younger in your thirties now, lots of time ahead of you, hungrier thinking, Hey, there's a lot of opportunity here and let's go seize it. And to do that, we need to be on our own. Absolutely. Yeah. Understood. Um, so when you don't have money to start a construction business, you have to go, you went to a bank. And so did you get a line of credit from the bank to start financing or have they financed equipment? How does that work? So we didn't get a line of credit at first. What we did was we bought a semi and a dump trailer and dump trailer from my father-in-law. Uh, we got a 90-day note from the bank, hmm. a secured 90-day note. Um, we leased the equipment at first. We paid off the semi and dump trailer in about 60 days. And then we went back to the bank and said, okay, look, we paid it off. We need another 90-day note. And uh, we went out and bought a 2018 John Deere 22, uh, 290G excavator. Oh, nice. That's a nice little machine. What, um, uh, what did you secure the note with? The equipment. Okay. So the equipment you were buying itself. Yeah. It's, that's been our problem is we don't have any equipment or anything like that. We can't secure a note with anything. So it's a, it's a hard sell to these banks, which is why we have not gotten capital. Um, it is, it is hard. And they, we were lucky to be able to secure these notes um, with the equipment, but they were still taking a gamble. Um, but we were in a small community. Um, the guys, Corey and his father and his grandfather have a great reputation of being hard workers, honest. And we're really thankful for that too, because there's so much to be said about the legacy that they have, um, built 
and it has helped us in numerous ways. But we just kept doing that up until uh, just very recently in like the last month or two. And the bank, uh, they would just smile. You know, I would call and I'd come in and I'm like, look, we paid it off. We need another 90 day note. We need another 90 day note. And I did that about seven times before I just finally said, okay, let's, are you guys ready to do the line of credit with us? Cause, uh, it's pretty substantial. And they were like, actually, yes, let's do this. That's fine. Uh, you guys have proven yourselves. So. Sure. Yeah. It, it, people don't realize how much money it takes to build a company. It's pretty brutal. What, um, what's the split between you and your husband? What does he do? What do you do? So he does so much. He is the project manager. He's the operator. He's our CDL truck driver. He's the guy that manages our employees. He's the guy that oversees all the jobs. Um, he meets with customers and clients and he's, um, he's one of those guys who can operate anything. And I think in, in this industry, a lot of people say that, but he jumps from the bulldozer to the motor grader, to the excavator, to the track loader, to the semi all day long. Um, and it is really just like an awesome thing to see him in motion. Uh, he, he can run all the equipment he trains guys to run the equipment, um, and he's been doing that for a long time. Actually, one of the employees that he trained and who's been a friend of ours for years, um, he left uh, about two years ago, and he now works for Blunt Contracting in Arizona. Oh, no kidding! And we would love to have him back now that we're like, we're like, hey, we're growing, we need you, come back. And he's like, no way. It's, uh, it's just yeah, life. too much, you know, too much to see out there. He's doing huge projects yeah. that we can't touch. Blunt, uh, they're, that's a damn good place to work. That's a Definitely. damn good company to work for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, Randy's heavily involved in our company and has been very instrumental to the past year and what, what he's done with, with Blunt and then past the acquisition. It's pretty amazing what they're, what they're doing right now. The scale of the projects they're taking on is nuts compared to what they were just doing a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Imagine that. Um, and uh, the, the whole like gray equipment, uh, we love it. Like just totally marketing genius to do that. Yeah. Uh, it's panned out pretty well for them. What, uh, so what do you do? So I'm on the back end. I'm doing the book work. I'm doing the permitting. I'm dealing with customers. Um, and it changes every day. Sometimes I'm bringing lunch to the guys in the field. Sometimes I'm picking up parts. Uh, it really is ever changing. Um, I've gotten into the bidding and estimating. I've got some mentors um, from other companies that I've made connections with that have really helped me um, just with figuring out how to bid these larger scale jobs that we're trying to get into and um, learning every day. I That's the best thing about us and our company is you can't really uh, 
I can't be embarrassed because the first thing I can tell you is, oh, I don't know much. So if I have a win, that's great. And don't expect too much from me. Sure. Yeah. It's, I was just talking to someone about that yesterday. Every time someone says, you know, you don't know what you're doing. It's like, yeah, I, I, you're right. I, I have no idea what I'm doing. And I've already said that a hundred times online. So this isn't new information here. I, I, I I know, I know I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, what, uh, on the, on the back office office stuff, it's, uh, you know, if, if, if that wasn't going on, the company really wouldn't operate. Right. It, it, I, I, You know, the field is what drives everything. So the fields, the laborers, the operators, whoever's out in the field, that's what you can bill for. And they're the ones that that keep the the company operating from a cash flow standpoint. But if you weren't there on the back end with permits, with making sure equipment payments are made, with making sure payroll's good, with tax forms filled out, if, if you weren't operating the business on the back end, there wouldn't really be a business for them to even work for, right? Definitely. And I'm very fortunate that my husband and I, every day is not, you know, rainbows and glitter, but he is so grateful for everything I do. And I'm also aware that, you know, there wouldn't be anything to bill for if him and his crew weren't out there getting the work done. So we work well together. I'm, I'm fortunate. He's great. Uh, we're, we're really getting down our communication with each other. We're very different um, in a lot of ways. And I think that's great too. It helps us balance. I would say I'm more um, conservative and less willing to take big risks and um, very budget oriented. And he's kind of like, no, we're going to do this and it's going to be okay because I'm going to go out there and make sure it's okay. Sure. And it is, it's a really good balance. It's good to have that. Well, I mean, speaking of Randy Blunt, he's an advisor at our company and he's definitely significantly more conservative and risk adverse than I am. Um, And he's, we're, you know, constantly debating what is going on and the financial situation of our company and, you know, looking into next year where we're at. And it's, it's really nice to have two sides of the spectrum in the same room and be able to discuss and debate things and come to what's the best decision for the company overall, which is oftentimes something that's right in the middle. I mean, if I were, if I had my way and we were just full send 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this place would be a complete shit fest. And (laughs) if we were playing it safe, conservative, we wouldn't be having the impact we need to have in the industry. We wouldn't be growing as quickly as we, we could. We would be a nice, sustainable business, but that's not why we're here. We're here to make the dirt world a better place. And with that, we need to be a lot more aggressive, but it's, it's really nice to have that balance. And we haven't totally had it until Randy got involved in the company this year, but it's, it's been a huge and very positive change for us. You are so right. You, you don't want to go too far to either side of the spectrum because you don't want something that you can't manage. Um, and that kind of leads us into saying, you okay, you want your company to grow. You want to take on more jobs. You want to take on bigger jobs. But you don't want to overextend yourself either. And that's where I'm always like, okay, I want to make sure we can meet all these goals. I want to make sure our customers are happy. I want to make sure we're still living up to the 
high quality work that we are known for. And I don't want those things to start slipping. And really how we've mitigated that is we've gotten a lot better at saying no to the small jobs. And where before it was like, we just wanted to say yes to everything. If the phone rang and somebody needed a stump pulled out of their yard, it was like, we would send a guy over there. And that is just not in our scope of work anymore. Um, But we've also got some great contractors around here that we can refer our customers to that also do quality work. And there's enough business to go around for everyone. Sure. Is he still just as dirty as he was when he was 21? Yes. (laughs) He is always dirty. Him and the guys are always dirty. Uh, He still works till late at night. Everyone just knows him for being the last guy to leave the job site. He's pretty uh, meticulous and particular. All the equipment has to be parked a certain way. The job site has to look a certain way before he'll even think about coming home for the night, which is usually nine, 10 o'clock at night. It's, most days. It's a, it's a brutal, brutal industry, especially summer months. You're, you're going full bore. What, um, uh, I guess getting into, you're obviously a woman and you were not in the construction industry for a while. You were thinking of, you know, getting into fitness. You had a tumbling business with, which isn't exactly hardcore blue collar, big beefy men. How how has the transition to the blue collar world been as a, a woman, good and bad? Because I, I, I and I'm, I'm really I'm, I'm just very curious about this whole this whole thing because I'm always there's just always this 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 criticism we we have within our our, our social media the podcast whatever everybody's like get more women on or or we need more pictures of women it's like guys there really aren't all that many women in the industry I take. I photo every time. Every time I see a woman in the field, I photograph that individual, and I'm sure I'm sure to. But they just they're like I, I I call them like snow leopards. You guys are like snow leopards. There just aren't a lot of women in the industry, which I think is stupid because we're looking at this huge workforce problem and we're ignoring half the population. So that's why I want to touch on it more. But I guess to begin with, how was the transition from tumbling to the dirt world? Um. For the most part, and the day-to-day operations and my normal outlook, uh, it wasn't a huge leap. I'd been around. uh, We're very fortunate to have great guys working for us and great people that we're surrounded by. And not just our employees, because as you know, um, it takes so much to make these companies go. I've got parts guys, I've got mechanics. I've, you know, there's so many people that we're interacting with on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. And for those interactions and those relationships, I don't even notice it. And I don't feel like they notice it. Um, It's not until we get into situations that are maybe a little bit out of our norm that sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot I'm a woman. And that's a little bit different than what most people are used to in this industry. Uh, Um, Like how how so? Like what's an example? I went to a machine auction by myself a few months back 
This is a good example for this. Uh, my husband originally planned to go. He was on a project. The deadline was right there. It was a Saturday. And he's like, I have to go to work. Um, we had sought out this bulldozer that was uh, going up for auction that was literally 10 miles from where we live. So he's like, we discussed the budget. We're like, okay, look, if this bulldozer goes for anything under this, like we need, it needs to come home with us. And just walking up to the crowd, I was the only woman there. I'm by myself. Uh, there was just some comments made and they're not even like mean or nasty, but just things like, Oh, are you lost? Or, yeah. you know, do you need some help? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, no I'm not I'm lost. Bit, I'm by a damn right bulldozer. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it just happened to be, that was the last machine that went up for auction. And when I bid on that machine, I mean, it was like, I think 10 people's jaws dropped because they're like, whoa, what What the heck is she doing here bidding on a bulldozer? Did you buy the machine? No, it went for more than we budgeted for. And that was okay. It it went to somebody that we knew and it it all worked out. We've got the Komatsu D65 dozer that we use and have purchased. So it worked out. Um... But, you know, just situations like that, or I go into these bid meetings for county projects, city projects, things like that. And I'm the only woman and people are just looking at me like, what the heck is she doing here? Is she like delivering the muffins for the meeting or, you know, and then when I'm turning in a bid, they're like, whoa, wait. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so it happens. What's what's your whole opinion on the whole women in construction thing. It's because it's, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say tricky, but it's definitely something that hasn't been figured out. Like clearly we need more women in the industry. Clearly we just need more people in the industry. And and I think women have a whole different perspective to add to the same problem, which the industry's missed out on for a long time. Um, uh, like, you know, how do we, how do we attract more women without the whole you know, because the the other side of the coin is the women I've met in the industry, they don't want to be treated any differently. They just want to keep their head down and get their work done like everybody else. So it's how do you focus on attracting more women without necessarily treating them differently and drawing unnecessary attention to them? Because again, the people I've met in the field, women I've met in the field in the industry, they don't necessarily want any kind of special credit. They're just there to do their job. Absolutely. I think um, you basically hit the nail on the head. Like nobody is, no woman feels like, oh, I'm so special because I'm in this industry. Like, no, we're just here. We're doing our job. We're making money. We're learning. If you're like me, you're just somebody who doesn't know anything. And that doesn't deserve any special attention or anything like that. But we definitely need more women in this industry. Um, you know, it's another balance thing. Uh, my husband, you know, we've had, we'll have an employee say, Hey, um, can I have this day off because I need to go to this baby shower or something like that. And my husband's like baby shower, like what? No, what? And I'm like, Hey, look, 
he has family, he has obligations, and that's important. You know, that goes back into work-life balance. So yes, he can have the day off to go to the baby shower with his wife because that's important. Um, And, you know, we have to look at the bigger picture. And men sometimes have a harder time realizing that. Um, and like I said, that's, that's no fault to them. It's just the difference between men and women. And I think the way we can attract more women is just the same way that we can attract more employees in general. And that is creating a funnel and a foundation to bring youth into these trades and get them familiar with the opportunities that are out there. Um, it's going to be the same way we bring in more men and we bring in more women and just let them know at a young age that, look, there's opportunities out here. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to get $100,000 in debt. You can come out here. You can start working. You can work your way up and make a good living. Sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, basically what you're saying with the baby shower analogy or example is it, it, we just need to be more thoughtful and caring as an industry. And if we are, we'll attract everybody, including women. Absolutely. So it's not that we necessarily need to focus on attracting women, which I, I, I completely agree with. I don't, I don't know. I just have a problem with the whole, like I love the whole women in construction push, but at the same time, we just need to we just need to show off the industry. We need to show off everybody. And because I've 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 talked to enough of these women, I know that they don't necessarily want a whole week dedicated to them. They're just proud of what they do like anybody else and they just want to be another person out there doing the work. So it's this it's this right. it's just this weird dynamic and it's hard for me to argue that point to people that haven't been out in the field as much as I have and haven't really talked to these people because it's like it feels like I'm just being an asshole, but it, it, I'm not. I'm just saying, guys, I, I don't know if they necessarily even want a whole week dedicated to them. That's it, it, and and you know, also, what the fuck do I know? I'm a, I'm a white male, so can I completely speak on the subject? No, but from my conversations I've had with the people in this position, it's it's exactly that. They just want to be one of the one of the guys, quote unquote. And I think we just need to care for people across the board more in the industry than we are right now. And if we do that, we'll attract the next generation, whoever the hell they are. Right. And you're so right about you're kind of the man in the middle. It's like, don't shoot the messenger. But I totally agree. I think that's how most women feel. And I know me personally, I'm like, don't bring attention to me. I'm sitting in an air conditioned office and my guys are out there in 90 degree weather, sweating their butts off, working a 14 hour day. Um, let's celebrate them and how much they are accomplishing and how we couldn't do any of this if they weren't out there. And it's, it takes a toll, you know, they, they work hard, they put their hearts and souls into it. Some days it's hot. Some days it's cold. Um, we are fortunate. Most of our equipment um, has cabs, but we do have like our compaction roller does not have a cab. And nice. man, I feel terrible for the guy that gets stuck on that machine. You know, well, according to Eric Jumper, that that builds character sitting on a roller <laughs> going back and forth 
in the freezing cold or in the terrible heat and humidity of the summer, just miserable. Like that, that's good for you. It's, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I think a little bit of that's good for you. You know, they, they don't complain. They do it. Uh, so we're just lucky. I mean, I know I probably wouldn't want to do it. So there again, let's celebrate them because that's pretty awesome. It is funny though. The whole women in construction thing, like women really are the ones that operate this entire industry. If you think about it, I mean, you go into any construction office, payroll, insurance. I mean, the whole back office of every construction company, most of the time is women. Yeah, that's probably true. It's, it, it's true in my experience. I mean, every office I go, management, it's lacking. Leadership, it's lacking, which I think is a, a problem. And I think these companies are actually screwing themselves by not creating those opportunities uh, in, in leadership roles. Yeah, in the field, it's it's oftentimes men. But but if you think about it, I mean, I think there there are more... I don't know. It's just a, it's something I haven't really been able to even form my thoughts on because it's such a, it's just such a, it seems like such a prickly topic with people, even out in the, out in the field, you know, you have these big burly men and they feel threatened for whatever reason, sometimes by talking about the whole women in construction thing. And then you have the whole other side of the spectrum. Like we need all women in construction. I'm like what, what, what are you even talking about? That doesn't make sense. It, it, yeah. I haven't, I haven't figured out where, where, how to walk that line yet. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, I, I really truly think if we start young and, and recruit these people and a shift has to happen. And I'm actually in the works with two of our local area high schools and bringing back a trades program for the students who want to explore different opportunities. And uh, we do have a building trades program at our one local high school, which is they build a house every year. That That's what the class does. And it's a really cool program. The students have obviously their teacher who is the, you know, contractor and he follows up on everything and he's teaching them. But why don't we, why is that the only option? Why don't we have more options for them boys and girls to, I mean, I know I would love to have some females shadow me and look at, and you never know, maybe they think what I do is completely boring. And they're like, Hey, I want to run that excavator, you know? Yeah. I like, that's the funny thing about running equipment. You can be this little ass dude, or you can be this big burly dude. It's, it's electronic controls. That's all you're, all you're doing. It's a, it's a physical job. I mean, sitting in a dozer all day, if you're in rock or something, beats the hell out of you. So it's not, I'm not saying it's not physical, but there aren't physical requirements to it that any one human can or can't do. You're not lifting something heavy, for example. It, it, anyone can do it. That's the crazy thing about it. And honestly, and I've talked about this a bunch. So we, we have a bunch of women that work at the company. And we're a creative business. We're not a contracting company. So it's not all the similar. But every time we have a company meeting, which is twice a year, we rent equipment and put people in the machines. And sometimes, uh, especially all the new folks that we have, these people have no industry experience, have never been around equipment before. And that's the first time they've ever sat in a machine. The people who love it the most I've seen are the women 
because they go into it thinking it's not really for them. It's, it's dirt and equipment. Ah, yeah, it's, this isn't really my thing. And you can't get them out of the damn machines. You can't. They are so <laughs> fucking fired up to be in an excavator moving dirt. And they're the people that least expected it and, and weren't excited about going into it. And that's what I love. And that's, it's, it's broadened my perspective on the subject. It's like, oh, we're, we're, we're missing out on something here. Just in general, I think the more people we can get into the industry and just have experienced the industry, the better off we are. But the thing, the thing is, it's, it's our, I think it's the industry's responsibility. We spend so much money on equipment and productivity and software and technology. How much money do we spend on getting people exposed to the industry? We don't spend anything on it. And so we're sitting here confused, scratching our heads. Like, why aren't people getting into the industry? They should just go to trade. It's like the trade schools don't exist, guys. You need to get them on your sites. You need to create your own opportunities to get equipment in front of these people and construction in front of these people. Like this is our, this is our responsibility. No one's going to come save the day here. You are so right. And the other responsibility that we have to accept is as, you know, an excavation company and all these, you know, construction and excavation companies, you have to realize that you're not going to necessarily hire someone who is an expert operator. No. You have to bring them in. You have to train them. You And that takes a lot of time, a lot of machine hours. You're not going to just put them on one job and they're going to come off and be able to do the next one like a pro. So it is an investment because it's going to take you a lot of time to get that employee where you want them, but it's a necessary investment. And that's another thing that we have decided that we want to do. And that's invest in our employees. Um, I think that gives you the greatest return. Really, well, It's expensive. It's hard, but it's the only damn option nowadays. Uh, how, how many people do you guys have? So we've only got three right now. Okay. So you have three people. You're, that's a small construction company. And you're still saying, you know what? It's oh, we think it's better to invest in people and put this money into people than try to find experienced people. If you can do it, anybody can do it. You you have less resources than any other big construction company, right? And you're still saying Definitely. we can do it. Yeah. We can train. We're going to take the time to invest in these people. We're going to build the next generation internally because that's what's that's what it's going to take. And and I'd argue you're at more of an advantage than most of the big construction companies in your market. If you can recognize that and successfully implement that, because now you're designing your company around that, and they're going to have to go right an enormous ship and this huge culture that could be decades and decades old that is built on something completely different, built on finding very experienced people and just getting them to be productive day one. If you're building your business around creating everybody you need, you're going to, you're just going to completely clobber everybody else down the road. I mean, that would be great. And we hope that's in our future. And we want our employees to be well-rounded, you know, just like Corey, my husband, you know, he, it's really beneficial if you can have an employee that can run an excavator and run a bulldozer and run the skid steer and, uh, you know, be multifaceted instead of like, okay, here's our bulldozer guy and he does nothing except run the bulldozer. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, part of it is a skill set, and part of it's an attitude as well. 
And I think younger people are more willing to, yeah, sure. I'll do whatever the hell I need to do. And like you had, um, uh, man, I was, I was with uh, new era excavation the other day in Connecticut, uh, Tom Gardaki and, and Craig and, um, and those, those, the other jabronis at the company and the, Craig, he's, he's part owner in the company. It's him and Tom that, that own the company together. They do the estimating, they do everything. But when they were tying in a water service, Craig was the one in the hole tying in the water service with the shovel. And yes. he's the one that owns the company and he does everything else. But he's the first one in the hole tying in the water. And that's just an attitude thing. I'm here to do whatever I need to do. And the guys that just sit in a machine saying, ah, no, I'm just an operator. They're, it's, that's a, it's just a shitty mentality. And it's going to hurt them long term. The guys that say, yeah, I'm an operator. But hey, if I need to get out of the machine and do whatever I need to do, or if I need to you know, be a pipe player for a, a month, cool. I'm about it. Let's do it. I think it's it's skill set. You need to have the skill set to do that. But I think it's bigger. It's it's just having an open mind and having a, a good attitude and saying, I'm willing to do whatever I need to do to make this thing work. Absolutely. And I will definitely give credit to Corey that he he is that guy. And I think it gains him respect from a lot of people because it doesn't matter if it's a mud hole, same thing. He's tied in water lines. I mean, sometimes he literally has to get in people's shit, you know, they're doing septic yeah. systems and, you know, tying into old septic systems and doing this, doing that. And, uh, he just does it. He does it. And it's, it's one of the things that makes me feel, of course, when you, when you go out on your own, you do feel, you feel nervous. You, you're a little scared. You're, you really just hope everything's going to go okay. But he definitely gives me that assurance that like, I'm going to do what I need to do. It doesn't matter if my ego is not involved with it. And uh, it's, it's also why our customers love him. They love seeing him show up to the job site. Uh, they love talking to him about the project and they love, you know, that's one thing too, that's funny about this uh, industry, or at least the projects that we do around here. Uh, people love to watch. I mean, mm -hmm. they just love to see the changes take place and see the project from start to finish. And, uh, you know, Corey's really good at what he does and people just love to watch it take place. It's, it's, it's very gratifying to watch physical progress as a human being. And I think as we're transitioning more and more to a digital world in which there's digital progress being made, but you can't really see it, I think the appeal of the trades is only going to become greater. And that's, it sounds counterintuitive, but I think that's the way it's going to go. I think we're going to, we're, we've kind of gone a, a little too digital and sure the digital world is here to stay, but there's just something so primal and gratifying as a human being to see a hole you just dug. I, I don't know what it is, but there is something that really, really excites you as a, as a human to see physical progress being made uh, as a result of your hard work. You know, you that is such a good point. And that also makes me think, if we can get these younger kids in here, isn't that going to hook them? Yeah. That, you know, they're out here and they, they get on their first couple projects and they see the progress and they see the work done and they, they can 
look at that hole they dug and said, I did that and want to stick I around. I just had a kid this morning write me. He said, I was going to college. I was studying something different. Saw you guys on, on, on social media, started following along, got introduced to the dirt world, had never thought of it before, then got a job at a construction company, moving dirt for a summer. And now I'm hooked. I love this shit. I love it. And now I'm doing it as a career. I've chosen to do it. That, it's all it takes. It doesn't take this huge educational push, I don't think. It really is just, it could just be one, one experience in a, in a, with a skid steer. It doesn't have to be all that dramatic. We don't have to go build these massive colleges for inspiring kids to be in construction. I think we just need to create opportunities as an industry for people just to experience what we do, even for a little bit. That's, that's enough, especially as a kid and especially as a teenager and especially as a young adult. If we can create those more opportunities, I think we're, we're going to have that next generation. That's why I bought the skid steer. So I can have fun, sure. But I want to get as many people in my life in that machine as I can. I got my mom in it. I got my brother in it. I got my sister in it. I, I've had my friends in it. Everybody that comes to town, put them in the skid steer. Are they going to, uh, you know, maybe they think about the construction industry. Maybe not. But at least they can now appreciate it a little bit more than they did before. Because they had that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I, and, you know, I've gotten in the machines and I do from time to time. Um, it's, it's not pretty and it's not as easy as it looks. No. Um, and there again, that goes back to like proper training and investing in your employees. But, um, I remember I was out, it was a, a Sunday and my husband was working and the, the, he didn't have his crew. So my son and I went out to help him. Uh, and I was in the excavator and I'm loading a truck and it was just terrible. It was terrible. I mean, I was making progress, but it was painful. And I remember Corey, he was like, Christine, our names on the side of this machine uh, were right off the highway. Like, come on, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. You guys make this look easy and it's not. Yeah. But at the same time, even, even though you sucked at it, did you get out of the machine? Like, man, I never want to do that again. That was stupid. No. You probably all about it. Like, man, that yeah. was pretty damn cool. Holy shit. It was fun. Yeah. And then we switched positions and I got into the haul truck, my son and I, and uh, we were just putzing around the property, moving dirt from one side of the property to the other. And, you know, same thing. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I'm in a life-size Tonka truck. Yeah. How is how's the whole parenting thing with the company and both parents in the company and working all that you guys do? Is it just one one kid, multiple kids now? Yes. Yep. We just have one kid. We have uh, my son, our son, Kason. He's eight now. And it is definitely, you have to be very intentional about the work-life balance. Um, obviously, like I said, my husband is the one that's out there on the front lines making this stuff happen. He's working his butt off every day. And my workday ends at, you know, four or five o'clock most days because I've got our son that has homework and baseball practice and Cub Scouts and things like that. And, um, but it's also, I feel very fortunate that at least I'm not out at a job where I might not get to do those things with him. 
you know, depending on what shift you'd have to work or nurses who work 12 hour shifts, you know, um, it's, it is a lot of hard work and we're very intentional about our family time and we love to do things together, um, as a family, but you know, Corey doesn't, he's not there for everything. And it's a sacrifice that he makes for our family. Our son spends a lot of time at the job sites. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the unique things about construction is most businesses are family businesses and you can, you can, I mean, a lot of people just raise their kids on job sites. Yeah. It's, it's a great way to grow up though. And our son loves the equipment. Like I said, he's only eight. And we've both said, like, we're not going to force him into it or anything like that. But as of right now, he thinks it's so cool that his dad runs the machines. And um, we were on a uh, job that was a field drainage job. And they did a waterway and they had to lay straw blanket throughout the waterway. It was like 2,000 linear feet. And we had Kason out there laying in staples uh, and his hands were getting dirty and he loved it. He just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And we paid him, you know, and that $20 bill was like gold to him. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, I don't, there's few things as exciting as a kid uh, as working hard and then having someone hand you money for it. I remember first time I started actually working and then, you know, they'd pay me in cash every day. And I just could not believe like, whoa, I just got three $20 bills for pushing a wheelbarrow around for a few hours. This is sweet. I need to do more of this. And you, you kind of get hooked on it. It, 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 you know, especially when you start doing it at a young age, it gets, it's, it's actually pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. And my husband jokes that, you know, all right, Kason, bring your friends next time and tell, spread the word, tell everybody how much fun this is. Cheap labor. And, you know, yeah, we joke about it. Like, okay, let's bring these kids up and just make a total like bulletproof crew out of yeah, them. And That'd be great. In, in Montana, where I, I spent summers growing up, we had, um, so it was my, my, my friend's place. And, and his parents invited the whole friend group up. So it was like six or seven young boys. We, might, we were probably like eight or nine years old. We were pretty damn young, probably similar to your son's age. So we would, we would mess around, you know, you'd do fishing, you'd do shooting, you'd, you'd ride around on the, on the quads. But then his dad would put us to work and he'd have projects on the property that needed to get done. And he had, you know, six or seven kids there. So he just gave us a wheelbarrow and some shovels and said, hey, this rock, that's this pile of rock over here and needs to go over here. And this is how it needs to go over here. Have at it. And we didn't, we didn't ask any questions. We were just like, shoot, okay, let's get to work. And it was actually kind of fun working as like a little crew with your friends, working hard, getting, getting stuff done, seeing what you were accomplishing. And then, you know, every summer I'd go up there, I'd remember like, man, man, we spread that rock over there. And that's, that's pretty cool. It's still there. It, it's just it's fun working hard as a kid. I agree. I think you just need the opportunity. Yeah. And and that's one of the reasons that it bugs me sometimes when people say the problems with the workforce today is, you know, kids are lazy and nobody wants to work. And, and I think, well, whose fault is that? And I don't think that's true. There's a lot of things that have uh, 
that are vastly different than when our parents were young, you know, the cost of living and inflation, all that. But did you actually give your kids the opportunity to work? Did you teach them a work ethic? Um, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. No. So I think that's huge. We have to be intentional about that. A hundred percent. We're we're more comfortable as a society than ever before. We don't have to work. We don't have to work hard. We, we You can go decades without doing any real hard work right now with how comfortable our society is. You can get every all your food sent to you, everything sent to you. You're good to go. Like all your calorie, your, your caloric needs are met. You know, it's, it is, we are just stupid comfortable right now. And you're living in a city, you know, you, you don't have a big piece of property, most people. And so you have to seek out those opportunities and, and seek out the, 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 the opportunities to create hard work for your kids. And I, like I just talked, we had Sal for sale on the podcast a few weeks ago. And, and he makes a big point out of mowing his own lawn and showing his kids hard work. He can go hire someone to mow his lawn, easy, but he wants to show his kids, hey, I'm willing to do the hard work. I'm here to make it happen. And hey, come, come along with me, ride on the mower with me. And then they'll grow up and they'll probably be mowing the lawn because they saw, they saw their dad modeling that, that hard work. And then they're, they're working hard and growing up. Like you have to create the opportunities to do that because society is so cushy now. Then, and that's, it's not kids' faults. They're just not learning how to work hard. And I didn't learn how to work hard until I was in high school. I'd never worked hard in my life until I was in high school. And then I got slapped in the face by hard work and was like, holy shit. So this is what actual work is like. Woof. And I actually started to like it. But until I had that opportunity, I didn't even know what it was. And I would say you're lucky. I don't want to say lucky, but you're in the minority of that to me is like a disadvantage. You didn't get that hard work until later. And so good for you that you enjoyed it because let's be honest who most people aren't going to enjoy it at that point. I agree. So you have to start them young. It has to be a part of life. Um, because otherwise who, who doesn't want to just sit and play video games all day instead of mowing the yard and picking up sticks and doing dishes and brushing the dog and, and just little things like that. It really starts small, but it's so important. And, it really is another thing on the list for parents to do because there's so many times I know personally, it's like this would uh, be really quick and easy if I just did it myself, but I'm going to make my son do it. Uh, it's going to be painful for all of us, but he's going to do it and we're all going to be exactly. better for it. I think it, it's, it's, it's really interesting because I, so I got, I got the hard work thing just in time. I, I, it was clo- a close call. And if I didn't have that in high school, I would not have gotten into construction or would have not made it in construction and I would not not be here today without a doubt in my mind. My, my siblings, they're, I have a younger brother, I have a younger sister. Their mentality towards work is, is significantly different. And I've always wondered, why the hell is that? We grew up in the same spot. We had all the same opportunities. Everything was the same for all of us. Why? Why? Why, why is it so different? And it's not better or worse, but it's, there's this, I have this hunger for work that doesn't, that doesn't, or they've had to develop later in life and they've struggled with a little bit that I didn't have to really figure out. And it's because I had the opportunity to work hard presented by a, a something outside of our family and our upbringing 
that they didn't have. And so I don't think they ever really learned how to work and what real work was growing up. And now they're playing catch up in their adult life and trying to figure out what the hell it actually is. Then it's, it's crazy how much of a difference it can create. Yeah. And I think that my husband and I are both lucky that our parents were hard workers and Corey growing up, he watched his dad, he watched his grandpa and they were out there farming and running the excavation company, uh, trucking. We also have the trucking division of our company and just guys that work really hard. And that was what he had to model. And um, it's a great opportunity because not everyone has yeah, that. Absolutely. We need to create those opportunities. Well, Christine, I have uh, I very much enjoyed talking with you. Same. I appreciate you. How, how'd you how'd you get involved with us? Did you reach out or how do we find you? Oh, I've been following you guys. I listen to the podcast and um, I love it. I I love hearing how so many people are in this industry. You know, uh, so many things are universal and so many things are wildly yeah. different. And it's so cool to hear everyone's perspective and where they came from, where they're going. It's really inspiring. Well, I appreciate you offering up your perspective on everything. And uh, I'll have to stop by Fowler next time I'm I'm up in your neighborhood and meet you guys and see what you guys do. Absolutely. You can hop in the equipment and take it for a spin. See, that's why I love people. People think I don't enjoy visiting small contractors. I love visiting small contractors because of that. Because I can actually run equipment and, and just have fun. There's not there's less rules and huge schedules and million dollar LDs. It's 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 just a little. It's like a simpler way of life that I very much enjoy. Yes, and it's not for everyone, but we love it as well. Yeah. We have no plans to go to like a big city or deal with any of that stuff. We're really happy with what we're doing and. Sometimes it's underrated. There's big stuff going on around here too. Totally. It's just different. Yeah. How do people find you? Do you are you guys online? Uh, the best or way is what's the best way. We're on Facebook, Muller Excavating, cool. uh, company page on Facebook. And I need to get it together on Instagram and I'm behind the eight ball yeah, on that, yeah, but I'm gonna get better get about it. Together. It. You don't have a whole lot else going on, so spend some more I know, time on exactly. social media. <laughs> Um, cool. Well, I can definitely do that. Thanks for thanks for chatting with us today. Absolutely. You guys have a good one.